All right, if you have a Bible or Bible app, you can turn to John chapter 4. As Joshua mentioned, kids, there are outlines over there on the table, or adults, you can use an outline too. And, and kids, I hope next week I will have some kind of small prize for you, so that if you fill in your blanks or make a good effort, I'll have some kind of little prize for you to, uh, to rejoice with you. But that, uh, that didn't happen for me this week, I forgot. So John chapter 4, Emily's going to read our passage. Please receive God's word as she reads for us right now. John 4, verses 1 through 26. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to, the came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped at this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. And it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The word of the Lord. Let's summarize this passage under three headings. The woman, the water, 
and the worship. First, the woman. It's noon. The time when she goes to the well because no one else is there. You see, she's got a history. She's got a reputation. And it's not a good one. Five previous marriages, now living with a guy who's not her husband. She's made mistakes. She's got baggage. It's better to go to the well in the heat of the day at noon than to endure the smirks and the rolled eyes and the comments behind her back of the other people there. But to her surprise, on this day and her trip to the well, she's not alone. She meant to be alone, but she's not alone. There's a man there, a Jewish man. He looks like a rabbi, a teacher. And she's a Samaritan. To the Jews, a half-breed, you might say. The result of a painful time when the Assyrians exported Jewish people from this land and imported other peoples to this land. The Samaritans are, you might say, a racial and religious hodgepodge in the eyes of the Jews. And so they are despised. I mean, to be honest, the hatred went both ways. Plus, she's a woman. Women were not esteemed highly by all men in this day. So she sees this Jewish rabbi and instantly walls of division go up before her. Walls of division flash before her eyes. To this guy, I am sure I am racially despised, religiously mocked, disregarded by my gender, not to mention an outcast from my own people. And this rabbi looks exhausted. For good reason. He's been on a three-day walking journey. It's hot. Middle of the day, he's parched. How will this worn-out rabbi interact with this Samaritan woman with serious baggage? Well, he starts a conversation with her in verse 7. Give me a drink. She's shocked by this. In verse 9, she says to him, How is it that you, a Jew... As for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And John adds parenthetically, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But notice, Jesus is not hindered by the racism or sexism of his day. He's not put off by her sinful past or present or her checkered history. Even her false religion. He's going to build a bridge into her life. Give me a drink. Friends, she is our first clue. This woman is our first clue in John's Gospel that Jesus is building a universal kingdom for all peoples. A universal kingdom of people from all backgrounds, all racial and cultural identities, no matter who you are. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you can come freely to him by faith. This woman is a picture of that, a first clue to that reality. And there's a lesson in us for this, a lesson in us, a lesson for us, rather, in this. In 1944, C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian apologist, he gave a, a talk which he entitled The Inner Ring. It's well known, you may have heard of it. The Inner Ring. Lewis used that phrase, the inner ring, to talk about the way in which we desperately want to be included. We want to be part of the in crowd. We create these inner rings of who's in and who's out, who's part of my clique and who's not part of my clique. And we do this even in the church, don't we, in ways. 
But Jesus has come to abolish our inner rings. Through the ministry of Jesus Christ, we find God in the flesh, spending time with, hanging out with, and loving on the outcast, the despised, the rejected, the weak, prostitutes, the down and out, the crooks, also known as tax collectors. No offense to any IRS employees here. Friends, the gospel, the good news, abolishes our inner ring mentality because the only ring that matters to God is being in Christ. The lesson for us is not to exclude anyone in Christ because we have not been excluded ourselves. So we cannot say, well, they don't raise their kids like I do or they don't look like me, or they don't vote like me, so they really should find a different church. They're really not going to fit in here. No, it's on us to make sure they fit in if they're in Christ. Jesus will not allow us to build insulated kingdoms of our own exclusivity, because that's not the kingdom of God. In his kingdom, the inner ring is defined by Jesus and nothing else. So here's the starting point for us this morning. Here's the starting point. See yourself in her. See your life in some way reflected in her life, left to yourself. See, see your alienation from God and from others, left to yourself. I mean, we wouldn't have hung out together, let's be honest, all of us here. The Bible says we were hated by others and hating one another. We wouldn't have been hanging out together, this group. Most of all, you and I were alienated from God himself, separated from our creator. And if you think, you know, I was never that bad, Tab, not like her, I think you've become a bit spiritually nearsighted. In our previous passage from last week, we saw a cleaned-up religious guy. This week, we see the unraveling life of an outcast, and both need Jesus Christ. Would you agree? Outwardly, we may be cleaned up, but inwardly, friends, we are just like her, left to ourselves. Start there this morning. It's a good place to start. Or, or maybe you're here and you would say, Tab, actually... I very much identify with her right now, right now. I can relate to the emptiness. I can relate to the failures. I can relate to the shame. I can relate to the guilt. Alienation, I got that covered. Friend, if you see yourself in her, if you see your life in her life, there is great hope for you. The church father Augustine once said, there is no saint without a past. No sinner without a future. No saint without a past. No sinner without a future. So secondly, see the water. The water. Jesus asks her for a drink. She is shocked in verse 9 that a woman, a, a, sorry, a Jewish man would address her, a Samaritan woman. Jesus replies in verse 10. Look at verse 10. If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. 
and she's understandably confused. Look, buddy, you have no bucket. It's a deep well. Jacob, patriarch of Israel, dug this well himself. Are you saying you are greater than Jacob? And in fact, he is. So he blows her mind further in verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. There is some lasting satisfaction of this thirst. The water, he says, that I will give him will become in him, in him, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she thinks that sounds pretty good. No more hot, dusty trips to the well when no one's there. Give me this magic water so I won't get thirsty anymore and have to come to this well. Jesus does this frequently in John's gospel. He has a double meaning. He will use physical realities to, to teach spiritual lessons. That's what he's doing here. Using the physical reality of water to teach her and us a spiritual lesson. You see, living water literally refers to fresh spring water, like the springs that fed this well and still do to this day. Think about a cold bottle of uh, Perrier or something like that. Living water, that's what would come to her mind. But Jesus, of course, has a deeper, richer meaning. He's thinking, he's thinking of the Holy Spirit as we read further in John's Gospel in chapter 7. He's thinking of God's very own presence as living water within his people, such that they never thirst again, spiritually speaking. To help us understand this, I think it's helpful to realize the Old Testament background for this phrase, living water, is found in the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 2, where God says the following, quote, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. For my people have committed two evils. He says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Did you hear that? The fountain of living waters. And have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God is saying, I'm like a fountain for my people, this ever-flowing, all-satisfying fountain. But my people reject that, and they turn to their little cracked pots. They're little clay, uh, clay cisterns that are leaking and can hold no water, leaving them dry and empty. It's a picture of rejecting the refreshing, life-giving water of God and preferring the stagnant waters of our leaky cisterns. I was, I was bike riding this week and I biked down Silver Strand further than I'd been before into Imperial Beach where the bike path goes inland along the, the end of San Diego Bay. And if you've done that before, you are suddenly confronted with the smell of stagnant water. It's pretty nasty. The picture here is preferring those nasty stagnant waters to a cool mountain stream. For your satisfaction. That's the imagery, that's the contrast. It's, it's imagery, it's contrast that really gets at our idea of what we call the good life. The good life. 
How do you think of the good life? What is the good life to you? Joshua this week reminded me of how car commercials rarely, if ever, actually talk about the car itself. Rarely, I mean, maybe truck commercials talk about towing capacities, but car commercials regularly talk about the car. Instead, they sell you a picture of the good life with that car. If you just buy that car, then you will always have a, a supermodel riding with you, perhaps, <laughs> all the money you want, a carefree existence. That's the good life with that car. Who cares about spiritual satisfaction? Who cares about eternal life? You just need that car. He mentioned they do the same thing with beer commercials. If you drink that particular brand of beer, that particular brand, it radically changes your life over other brands. You'll then be surrounded by good friends always, smiling all the time. You'll have no problems, no troubles if you just drink that particular brand of beer. That's the good life, according to Madison Avenue. God says, actually, it's a leaky cistern. It can't satisfy your soul. I mean, isn't this the attraction of pornography? Pornography takes a good gift from God and sells you a lie. The lie is, drink these stagnant waters and it'll satisfy you. It'll bring you some form of life. It's a broken cistern. It leaves you dry and empty, doesn't it? can hold no water. Friends, even, even the American dream can be this for us in ways. You know, the larger house, the secure financial future, not bad things, good things, fine things in themselves, but if that dream is running your life, if that dream is controlling your heart, that dream will become a nightmare. You will trade material goods for lasting spiritual satisfaction. You will numb yourself into spiritual oblivion. Can you relate? Jesus is saying to this woman, and to you and me right now, you don't have to drink from those leaky, broken, stagnant cisterns any longer. I have for you an internal spring of living water and an inexhaustible well of soul satisfaction by the Spirit of God, which wells into eternal life, the truly good life, as pictured in Psalm 16, verse 11. Here's the good life. You make known to me the path of life, true life. In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. Not a little bit, fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How do you like that for an advertising campaign? Life, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. That's what Jesus holds out to us. He has overcome our alienation from God. He has obeyed in our place, died in our place, risen in our place. He bore the death penalty for your sins if you will believe and rose from the grave. And now he beckons you to trust in his finished work that the Spirit of God might take up residence within you as a well of living water truly satisfying you. Are you a Christian this morning but find yourself spiritually dry? We can all be there. 
But have you been drinking from leaky cisterns? Have you been drinking from stagnant waters? See the promise of Jesus to you this morning. He has so much more for you. So much more. So much more soul satisfaction of the Spirit who brings life and joy and peace. Come to Him and drink. Or would you say, Tab, actually, I, I'm in this woman's situation. Distant from God, alienated from God, carrying a burden of shame and guilt for my sin. You too, come to Jesus believing. He holds out true satisfaction for you. Everything else will leave you dry. Everything else will leave you empty, but not Jesus. Hear his promise in John 4 through the words of Isaiah the prophet. Through whom God said, come. Come, everyone who thirsts. Are you thirsty? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat without money, and without price, why do you spend your money for that which does, for, which is not bread, and labor for that which does not satisfy? Come to me, God says, that your soul may live. That's the promise of God to us. See yourself like this woman. See this promise in Jesus Christ. And then see thirdly how he transforms our lives. Thirdly, the worship. Thirdly, the worship. Jesus gets right to the point with her next in verse 16. He says, go call your husband. She answers, I have no husband. Jesus says, you're right. You've had five husbands. The guy you're sleeping with now is not your husband. You're correct. Jesus peels off the scab, exposing the wound to bring real healing as the great physician. And I love her reply. Um, since you just revealed my deepest, darkest secrets, what do you think about the local worship controversy? It's kind of like saying, speaking of my adultery, what church do you go to? Since you brought up my checkered past, what Bible translation do you prefer? See, we worship here, she says. You guys worship in Jerusalem. What gives? See, the Samaritans had previously built a rival temple to the one in Jerusalem. It no longer stood, but that was still a place of worship for them. So she's asking him, what is the right place, the right place for worship? Jesus replies in verse 23. Look at verse 23. The hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father, the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. It's interesting. Jesus' answer, His reply is, is less about a kind of worship you know, a certain liturgy, a certain pattern, a certain place. It's more about the kind of worshiper the Father is seeking. And we all need to understand this, friends. Because all of us are by nature worshipers. 
Think about how we, we idolize singers, or we idolize actors, or we idolize sports stars. In a sense, you might say, they functionally receive our, our worship, our, our devotion in our society. You are, we are a culture filled with worship. Make no mistake, we're worshiping all the time because we are a worshiping creature by nature. As theologian Bob Dylan once said, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Bob is right, because we're all worshipers by nature, and the Father is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, Jesus says. In spirit and truth. You see, God is spirit, Jesus tells us here. He's immaterial. And he's, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere equally present. Don't try this at home. He is everywhere equally present. He is immaterial and omnipresent. So right away, that needs to frame the where question for worship. But then Jesus says, basically, now that I have come, now that I have come, the issue is not so much where, but through whom. The issue is really, who are you in relation to me? The Father, he says, is seeking worshipers in spirit and truth. If I were to summarize that, I think that's saying, worshipers who worship by the transforming power of God's spirit within them and through the finished work of God's Son for them. It's by the transforming power of the spirit in your life, the change he's wrought, and through the finished work of God's Son. It's people who worship by God's Spirit, for we need these living waters flowing from within, as Jesus has promised this woman. We must be born again, as we saw Nicodemus here last week. We must be made spiritually alive by the Holy Spirit in a moment in time. For they are the kind of people who are worshiping God in truth, the truth of God's Son through His person and finished work. You see, because of our sin and our rebellion, we can't just waltz into God's presence. God is holy. Humanity was expelled from God's immediate presence for a reason. We can't just show up again in the Garden of Eden like nothing's wrong. It's like taking an ice cube to the sun. It's not going to work. So God has provided a mediator, a go-between, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And that's why worship must be in spirit and truth, through the truth of who he is and what he has done. You see, friends, Jesus is now where and how we meet with God. Jesus Christ is how we enter God's presence, you might say. Sometimes people will say to a worship leader, your job, Mr. Worship Leader, there's Rick, your job is to lead us into God's presence. Or you might say, Please, can we sing this certain song? You know, maybe the, the blessing song or something. The certain song, because that song takes me into God's presence. And I, I know it's well-intended, and it's not wrong to have a favorite song. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not against having a favorite song, please. But realize what we're saying in those times. We're saying that worship leader or that song takes me into God's presence when it's the person and finished work of Jesus Christ that takes us into God's presence, friends.
The Father is seeking worshippers in spirit and in truth, people who have been made alive by God's Spirit and who approach the truth of God's Son. The Father is seeking such to worship. That seeking began as He sent His Son for us in His love. That seeking continue with your conversion if you are a Christian. And it continues this day because he makes all of life into worship for the believer. Think about the famous catechism answer, which asks, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief purpose of mankind? You ever wonder that? What's my purpose in life? Here's the answer. To glorify God and enjoy him and to enjoy him forever. That's what Jesus makes possible that you would glorify and enjoy God in spirit and in truth, friends. So here's the takeaway. Let's, let's land the plane. Here's, my, so here's, here's a summons from God's Word. Here's, here's, I think, the response you can have, the application you should make. To see yourself in this woman, left to yourself. To see her alienation, her need, her guilt, her shame. That you would secondly see and savor the promise of God in Jesus Christ. That you would come to Jesus again and again and again by faith to drink and be satisfied. That the Spirit of God within you would satisfy your soul, welling up to eternal life, bringing you the truly good life, now and forever. That we would not drink from broken cisterns. That we would not drink in stagnant waters. But we'd come to the fountain because the price has been paid. So come and drink. And then thirdly, realize the transformation He has wrought. That He makes you a true worshiper of God. That you might glorify and enjoy God in spirit and truth. Made alive by the Holy Spirit. Able to draw near through your high priest, Jesus Christ. So whoever you are this morning wherever you've been, whatever you've been through, no matter how far you think you've fallen, hear again God's invitation to you right now through the words of the prophet Isaiah. He says, come to the waters. You who have no money, you have no currency. Come without money and without price because the price has been paid. Do not labor for that which does not satisfy. Come to Jesus that your soul may live. Let's pray in light of that. The servers can prepare to serve us the Lord's Supper. But let's take a moment to quiet our hearts in response. I'm going to give you a moment just to engage with God personally. Think about where does his word need to be applied for you right now? You might even close your eyes for the purpose of concentration. And consider, am I drink, drinking regularly from some broken cisterns, trying to find satisfaction or the good life? where it cannot be found.
So acknowledge that to God. And find your joy, your satisfaction in Christ by the indwelling spirit once again. Or maybe you'd say, I am alienated from God like this woman and I see my need for a savior. You can say to God right now, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the, the broken cisterns, the stagnant waters I've been drinking. I turn away from that. I say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you did. Please come into my life. Let me have living waters by the Spirit flowing from within unto eternal life. You can pray that to him right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, help us to, to not drift from our desperate need of a Savior. To not try to find the good life ultimately in anyone else but Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you fill us Renew our joy. Renew our satisfaction. In Christ right now. Use the bread and the cup to that end we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.